Oral questions by members. House Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, there is a huge gap between the Premier's rhetoric and announcements and the terrible results of more violence across British Columbia. Random attacks have become the new norm under this soft-on-crime Premier and are clear evidence that what his government says they're doing is simply not working. On Saturday morning, an innocent victim was slashed across the throat with a knife while riding a bus in Surrey. The attacker first threatened a complete stranger at a bus stop before boarding the bus. He then stabbed the second victim with a, a knife, a kitchen knife, in a brutal, random and completely unprovoked attack that sent the victim to hospital with critical life-threatening injuries. According to the nurse, the only reason he survived was because the knife was dull. So my question to the Premier is this, how much longer will people have to be afraid to get on a bus before or because of this soft on crime Premier's catch and release policies and this Premier's failure to keep British Columbians safe in their communities? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the, uh, the question uh, from the member. Um, as the member will know that this particular place uh, took place on Saturday. Uh, it was a horrific crime. The police were there, they arrested the individual, and they started to do uh, their full investigation. Uh, at that time, they were facing uh, serious um, uh, criminal charges here in British Columbia. During the course of their investigation, um, it, they received and became aware of evidence of uh, allegations of links to a terrorist organization. At that particular point in time, the uh, federal RCMP uh, take over the investigation. Uh, federal Crown takes over the uh, prosecution from Provincial Crown and an investigation currently uh, in regard to the rest of the, uh, of the situation is, is underway by both federal RCMP and uh, uh, federal Crown. Uh, that's the information that I can provide the member with at this particular point in time on this very serious uh, incident. House Leader Supplemental. Uh, well, Mr. Speaker, the reality today is that people in British Columbia uh, aren't safe on a bus. They're not safe to walk into a coffee shop. Uh, they're not safe uh, in walking down streets in their, in their communities. And that's all because of this soft on crime premier's catch and release policies. Violent random attacks have actually never been worse in British Columbia than they are right now. And even the, the Premier's uh, hand-picked uh, expert, Doug Lepard, says that British Columbia stands alone with a 40% decrease in the number of people in jail because of government policy, because of initiatives of this Premier, this soft-on-crime Premier. Now, the Premier promised results that people, he said, would feel, that they will be able to see. But every single day, there's another horrifying uh, story of violence, whether it be in Surrey or Langley or Kamloops and communities across this province. Chilliwack today is the scene of, a, of gang violence and shootings for the third time in eight days. And now, this random knife attack on the bus in Surrey that I mentioned is being treated, it's being treated by the police as terrorism, fueling more public anxiety and insecurity. 
So the question is this, the, the Premier keeps saying he's talking, uh, he's, he's taking action to keep people safe. Uh, with that in mind, and in response to this possible terrorist attack, has the province elevated the risk assessment level and are additional patrols being deployed in the lower mainland to keep British Columbians safe? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question from the, uh, the member. Um, it is unfortunate uh, that the opposition is using language that uh, when they know the facts uh, of the particular incident that took place uh, on Saturday, um, does nothing to uh, uh, help the situation. Um, the reality is this, um, an attack took place. It was the police investigated. Uh, they were there, they arrested the individual. During the course of their investigation, uh, it became aware of um, allegations uh, of a link to a terrorist organization. As I said at that point, the federal RCMP takeover, as does the, the Crown. Um, any uh, increase, and my ministry is in touch with them. Uh, at this particular point in time, uh, the, the issue of you know, alerts and things like that um, has not been uh, an issue that uh, the federal uh, RCMP has said needs to be uh, in place, but rather they are dealing with this situation and this individual. Uh, I would also note, though, um, because the member raised the issue of, uh, of uh, the situation in Surrey and the ongoing gang violence that we do have in this province, violence which has been uh, something that British Columbia has had to deal with, as, as all provinces, but ours is particularly uh, is a unique situation in this province in terms of those involved uh, for quite uh, some time. And I just want to reinforce the action that this government has taken. Uh, for example, uh, the witness uh, security program which, as I outlined the other day, has resulted in 419 charges being laid, including 134 uh, murder charges and the convictions of more than 32 accused. Those individuals involved in gang crime would not have been brought to justice. They would not be behind bars if it was not for the action of this government and the implementation of this program. Honorable Speaker, we continue to take this uh, situation extremely seriously and will take uh, additional measures and steps as they are needed as we work with our partners in law enforcement and the federal government uh, to identify uh, how we can reinforce the work that they're doing. Member for Surrey South. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. The reality is, is that the things that the uh, member from the other side brings up are, again, uh, things that this government does after the fact, after people have already become victims of crime. People in my community of Surrey, I've received many emails and calls from people who feel terrified to ride the bus. They feel upset because the reality is that random attacks are up and at a crisis level in this province. Mr. Speaker, a prolific offender who brutally attacked a mother and her toddler in a random Chinatown assault is now free in the community. Shaquan David Kelly, responsible for five brutal random assaults, received time served and a single day in jail for the four charges. Disturbingly, Provincial Crown Council dropped the charge for the vicious attack on the mother and toddler. This is the attack that the former NDP Attorney General dismissed as anecdotal rhetoric. Despite all of the Premier's promises and rhetoric, why was the charge stayed for the vicious random attack on a mother and her toddler in Chinatown?
Attorney General. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I think everybody in this House agrees that people need to feel safe in their communities. Um, and when we hear about traumatic incidents in our communities, uh, we stand with the victims and we know we have to take action. And that's why this government um, has been advocating very strongly to the federal government, in fact, led the charge to the with the federal government to make bail policy reform. We're grateful for a commitment to make those changes, particularly around repeat violent offenders, and we'll continue to advocate for that, but we're not stopping. We're taking action, investing in programs in our province that will make this better for communities, including a repeat violent offenders task force. Um, we, we're going to stand together and continue to take action with our community partners, partners to make this better. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Supplemental. Mr. Speaker, the reality is, is that changes in the federal policy which strengthened a person's presumption of innocence never precluded Crown prosecutors for arguing that those who deserve to be held in custody be held in custody. It did not change, and frankly, this government is using it as a, spo a smokescreen for their own failed actions. The public has a right to know why a decision was made to stay the charge against a prolific offender for an unprovoked attack against an innocent mother and toddler. In every case involving prolific offenders, the public deserves to know details such as release conditions that the Crown has agreed with. Despite the Attorney General's claims of closely monitoring cases involving prolific offenders, the government has withheld the data they're tracking, preventing the public from seeing the results for themselves. The public has completely lost trust in the justice system under the soft-on-crime Premier. So will the Premier reconsider his refusal to give the public the data they're tracking and release that information today. Attorney General. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'll start by saying that the BC Prosecution Service is better placed to answer questions regarding data, but that we are investing in programs um, and services. And I'm really happy to report that recently the BC Prosecution Service announced that the the members for the Repeat Violent Offenders Task Force are now uh, have been identified. They're currently receiving training and transitioning to their new positions. And the hubs will operate in every region of BC, Nanaimo, Victoria, Vancouver, Surrey, New Westminster, Abbotsford, Kamloops, Kelowna, Cranbrook, Prince George, Williams Lake, and Terrace. Um, Mr. Speaker, we're investing in the services that we know will help to make this, this issue better across this province. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. House Leader, third party. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, our public uh, schools have a ratio of one counselor for every 693 students. That means when a child needs help, it's often not available to them. During the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, research in Canada shows increases in mental health referrals and hospitalizations, as well as high rates of anxiety, self-harm, substance use, and suicidal ideation. It was those who were already most vulnerable that suffered most, Mr. Speaker. Many students report having limited to no access to mental health support at school. There just aren't enough counsellors to meet the needs of students. The ratio of counsellors to students in the teachers' collective agreement is one counsellor to every 700 students. It's been that way for 20 years. The president of the BC School Counsellors Association, Dave McKenzie, said, quote, when you consider how schools, society, and the conversations about mental health have changed, 20-year-old ra ratios are a travesty and deserve the attention from the Minister of Education. 
So my question, Mr. Speaker, is to the Minister of Education, when will this government meet the needs of students and hire enough school counselors to cover the students' needs in this province? Minister of Education. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I really appreciate the member's concern. Uh, I share the similar concerns uh, about the mental well-being of our children. And uh, as a government, we take it, make it our priority. Uh, since 2017, Mr. Speaker, we have hired uh, nearly 300 uh, teacher psychologists and uh, counselors across the province. And we know how important the mental health uh, and their well-being uh, is, uh, and it also helps in their learning as well, uh, Mr. Speaker. And along with that, uh, we are uh, working uh, across the ministry, uh, uh, whether it is with the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions or with the Minister of Children and Family Development. We have also uh, we are also trying to break the stigma around the issue of mental health. We have the uh, integrated ch uh, child and youth teams. Uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, we, uh, which are operating uh, right now in five school districts, and we, are, uh, we have just announced that that will be extended to seven more uh, districts across the province. Uh, it is a very complex issue, no doubt, and I really, uh, um, uh, I really agree with, uh, with, the, uh, with the member opposite that, uh, especially uh, the challenges that we have faced in the last few years, how this issue has even aggravated. Uh, we take it as a priority. And uh, recently, just, uh, just this week, uh, uh, my, my colleague uh, from Mental Health and Addictions uh, was in Squamish opening the foundry, which we know is also a, a very key resource uh, for, uh, young, uh, uh, for our youth and our children. And we will continue to invest in the resources that are much needed. House Leader Third Party Supplemental. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, our children need the support at school. Uh, it's where they spend uh, many hours of their day uh, through their youth growing up. And um, oftentimes, uh, the accessibility of a, of a school counselor or psychologist uh, will mean whether or not uh, the child gets the kind of support that they need immediately or whether or not the problem continues to grow. Uh, unfortunately, and we know healthy kids and healthy lives when you're a youth, make healthy adults. Catching mental health care needs early prevents a lifelong illness, potential substance use disorders, and helps put children on a path to lifelong wellness, Mr. Speaker. We need to be investing in our children's mental health. We appreciate that uh, the ministers added 300 uh, new counselors and psychologists, but from the, everything that I'm hearing from our school system is that it's still uh, far from uh, enough. So I'll ask the question uh, to the Minister of Education. Will the Minister change the ratios so that there are enough student counselors, or counselors and psychologists to meet the needs of our students? Minister of Education. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and uh, I uh, really appreciate the question. Uh, Mr. Speaker, as I mentioned, that it is our priority. We know that how important the mental health and the uh, and the well-being of our children is. And uh, uh, as a government, we are investing in our, uh, in our education system and especially working with the most vulnerable, most marginalized uh, youth and students uh, in our schools. 
And uh, since 2017, we have made it a priority, and uh, we will continue to do that. Uh, we know, uh, Mr. Speaker, we have done a lot since 2017, but also we have been filling the gaps. We know the gaps that were left, uh, left out uh, by the previous government. We are trying to fill those gaps. We know a lot has been done, and we are committed to work even harder for this. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Halfway through a 10-year uh, housing plan announced in 2018, the NDP have abandoned it and admitted defeat. The Premier is failing on every housing, is failing on housing by every measure. Is it funny that we don't have enough housing in this province? I don't think so. There are unprecedented levels of homelessness and social disorder. The housing hub has turned into a colossal housing flub and wasn't even mentioned in today's housing plan. BC continues to have the highest rents in the country and the most unaffordable housing in all of North America. BC housing is so dysfunctional that four out of five applications are sitting on desks there unapproved. The Premier's so-called housing refresh strategy is, has no credibility while BC housing remains a disaster and the government continues to hide its forensic audit. Honourable Speaker, after the Premier has utterly failed as Housing Minister, how can he convince anyone to believe his new promises? Minister of Housing. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, uh, again, uh, many times in this House, we've recognized that housing continues to be a challenge here in British Columbia record numbers of people coming to British Columbia for good opportunities. We welcome them. We want them here. We need them here. We hear from employers all the time. We need more people. How can we find more people? And they're coming, Honourable Speaker. But with that and rising interest rates, uh, we're seeing additional pressures on our housing market. That's why, Honourable Speaker, that the plan that we brought in 2017 took, had uh, significant improvements in our housing stock. We saw over 43,000 units have opened up because of the plan that we laid out. We're on track to meet our goals, Honourable Speaker, but we know we need more. We know we need more, Honourable Speaker, and that's why today we laid out the plan to ensure that we can position British Columbia in an even better place in the years ahead. Honourable Speaker, we know as a government that decades of underinvestment, decades of lack of investment uh, in this province has led us to this problem. And, you know, some would suggest that the solution to this challenge is to uh, get out of the way and do nothing. Honourable Speaker, we've seen that formula. We've seen that formula in this, in this previous government for a long time. It didn't work. It's actually the reason why we're in this problem now. That's why the actions we're taking on those. Members. Members. Members, let's hear the answer. Minister the, will continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And the member across the way says taxes, and she's, uh, she's referring to the speculation tax, Honourable Speaker. We know, we know the Leader of the Opposition, Honourable Speaker. Members. We know, Honourable Speaker, that the Leader of the Opposition doesn't like the speculation tax. He thinks it's unfair for people who have multiple homes to have to pay an additional tax, Honourable Speaker. It's clear, Honourable Speaker, who the Leader of the Opposition works for. Honourable Speaker, on our side of the House, we're going to continue to work for people because we know this housing is vitally important.
member for West Vancouver Capilano Supplemental. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, I would like to um, uh, remind uh, the Minister of what I said in the initial question, is that British Columbia has the highest rents in the country and is the most unaffordable housing in North America, and this is a two-term government. So obviously what is happening is, is not working, and I would like to address the speculation. Uh, NDP MLAs own 102 properties, and since the last election, NDP MLAs have profited by almost $8.5 on real estate sales. So let's talk about speculation and what side of the house we're looking at. $8.5 million members, properties. Members, order please. So, Honourable Speaker, instead of trying to build his way out of a housing crisis, the Premier is trying to spin his way out of it. But a flashy branding exercise can't change the fact that housing affordability is getting worse. Even worse, the Premier's housing plan lacks transparency. Take the Premier's... Members. I'll, I'll follow the Shh. members. The Minister of Housing's approach to speaking out in the House here. Um, take the Premier's uh, promise to end, end single-family housing, for example, with no information about how that would work. The government couldn't even answer basic questions like where would this apply. So here's a basic question, Honourable Speaker: In which communities will the Premier be ending single-family zoning? Minister of Housing. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and uh, I think it's important to note, uh, and I'm sure the members across the way hear this as well, overwhelmingly, when I'm in my community and communities around the province, I hear from seniors. I hear from seniors talking about how they're going to have their grandkids to be able to grow up near them. I hear from young families who want to stay in British Columbia. They want to have their kids grow up in the same neighbourhood that they grew up in, Honourable Speaker. And that's been a, a challenge for people over the last two decades, lack of investments in British Columbia and housing, Honourable Speaker. And so, yeah, we're proud of the changes that we're going to, we've proposed part of the housing strategy. And, and, and the member, if the member was serious, Honourable Speaker, and wanted to be part of the solution, she would look at her own community of West Vancouver and say to her community that, yes, we need to bring on more housing, Honourable Speaker. She should be The opposition is serious about housing. I say, join us. Welcome. Welcome them on this side of the House, Honourable Speaker. We are going to allow for more units to be built on single dwelling homes. Honourable Speaker, we know that these lots, they may have single family homes built on them. And that's okay, Honourable Speaker. Because in the end of the day, as long as people want them, and as long as people can afford them, they'll continue to be built. The market will decide, but we need to allow more options on those sites, Honourable Speaker, and that's why this is such a, a fantastic policy that's being applauded across the board from all stakeholders. What we don't know, Honourable Speaker, is besides them saying that we're going to get out of the way and do nothing, what do they offer? What are they offering? Because we know, we know, Honourable Speaker, when they were on this side of the House, they did nothing on housing. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. While the Premier continues to conceal the forensic audit of the dysfunctional BC housing, the homeless crisis has never been worse. One example of the NDP's broken promise is to establish homeless navigation centres in Vancouver and Nanaimo, a promise made nearly three years ago. And I quote from the government release 
A non-profit partner will be selected this fall and the navigation centre is expected to be operational by spring 2021. End quote. We have a snap election. The now Premier becomes the Minister of Housing and the navigation centres get shelved. So my question is a direct one to the Premier. Why has he utterly failed when it comes to delivering the homeless navigation centres that that government promised in 2021, to open in 2021? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I uh, thank the member for the question. Uh, as I stated last week, um, we uh, committed to opening a navigation centre in Nanaimo. Uh, we have found two sites. Uh, both times they've gone to council, um, and council has uh, made a decision that the sites are uh, not uh, appropriate for the navigation centre. Um, and so uh, that's a frustration for us uh, to be, do all the work, find a site, go to council, have it rejected, come back, find another site, go to. It's frustrating, Honourable Speaker, uh, but we know it's important work and we know that local governments have an important role in this, uh, and so we're going to continue to work with them to find that. As for the, the uh, one in Vancouver, Honourable Speaker, uh, if the members had a chance to read our plan that we released with Mayor Ken Sim from Vancouver, part of that is having a centre uh, that will be opening very shortly uh, that will ensure that those that are looking for supports are able to go to one place and not only find housing but also get the supports they need. And so, uh, again, we're excited to see that space open up. Uh, not only that, Honourable Speaker, but we have 330 units opening by the end of June uh, that will help support those that are looking for it. Honourable Speaker, I'll just say on the downtown east side in particular, an important piece. There are spaces available right now for those that are in encampments, in particular those on Hastings Street. It is not safe. We, have, we agree with Marisim, this is not a safe space for people. We had a survey done by a not-for-profit which interviewed 50 women, all 50 reported to be sexually assaulted. That is unacceptable. So we are urging those folks to take the shelter spaces. They're available, we have brought them online. And on top of that, we have additional spaces opening up in the coming weeks and months ahead. Sari Whitrock, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I, I give the minister a bit of advice here. I think he needs to work on his relationship with the mayor of Nanaimo. Because he says, and I quote, Nanaimo is desperate for a navigation centre. We've been waiting a long time. End quote. This was a promise made in 2020. And again, this minister gets up today and says, yeah, it may be a priority today. An absolute utter failure when it comes to something this NDP has overpromised and underdelivered on. So again, when we look at Nanaimo here, it is very clear that this Premier, this Minister, these MLAs have completely failed their community. So why did this Premier fail to deliver on something like homeless navigation centres? Minister of Housing. Um, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, clearly they've run out of material for question period. They keep asking the same question that I just gave an answer to a second ago. Let's, let's hear it, please. Members, Minister will, minister will continue. Uh, thank, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, as I've shared with the member uh, now, and uh, I did last week as well, uh, we found a site in Nanaimo for a navigation centre. Um, it didn't suit uh, Council's needs. We went away. We found another site. Um, it, didn't feed the, uh, it didn't meet the needs of Council, and now we're working to find an additional site. Um, that's the work we've been doing, not only there in communities around the province, working with local governments to make sure that the supports we can find are, fit well with the community. 
Arnold Schreker. But it's not only that, Arnold Schreker. If you look back over the years, the significant size of the encampments that Nanaimo had, the incredible amount of work it took to get people out of those encampments and get people into housing, Honorable Speaker. In Nanaimo alone, Honorable Speaker, 1,437 units that have come, uh, that we have funded. 881 open. <laughs> 556 that are uh, funded, that are going through the process and being built right now, Honorable Speaker. That is significant. I, in fact, that's probably the amount of units that the previous government built around the province, Honorable Speaker. And so we continue to make these investments in Nanaimo, Honorable Speaker, because it's important, but we're going to make these investments in communities throughout the province. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Well, well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. As we heard earlier today from this government, um, I think it's uh, as closer charitable of a description as we can have with their new housing numbers as creative accounting was used today as they were trying to justify and explain what uh, their failures over the last six years have been on the housing file. So Mr. Speaker, it's no wonder that BC housing is under a forensic audit when we see how this government likes to play fast and loose with numbers when it comes to housing. Unfortunately, despite the province, this government having the BC housing forensic audit for the better part of a month now, we're no closer to having that released. In fact, under Section 25 of the Freedom of Information Act, the Premier has the power to release that. But instead of releasing it, Mr. Speaker, we're waiting on the same agencies that were the result of this audit needing to be done to go through that audit with a felt pen and cross out anything and everything that might actually shine a light on what's going on in BC housing. Imagine what would have happened today if the Premier had had the temerity to actually release that audit full and unredacted while they were talking about housing with all the provincial media there. Imagine the transparency that would have provided to the public about what's actually going on in housing in British Columbia. Instead, organizations like Atira and BC Housing and others are going to be busy with their Sharpies over the next few weeks. If this Premier is actually serious about transparency when it comes to housing, that report would already be released. Will the Premier take the power that he has under Section 25 of the Freedom of Information Act and release today, unredacted, the BC Housing Forensic Audit and make it available to public accounts for full and proper Premier. I've stood in this place a number of times, made the commitment, I'll make it again, we'll release the report in full to the extent the law allows us to do that. Now, um, when I became a, a Premier Honourable Speaker, I committed to work on four priorities for British Columbians, on public safety, on housing, on health care, and a strong economy that works for everybody. On public safety, in May, Members. we will have 21 teams of prosecutors, new prosecutors, probation officers, correction officers, addressing chronic repeat violent offenders. The Minister for Public Safety and the Attorney General went to Ottawa, got a commitment from Ottawa, a strong commitment to fix the federal bail rules. <laughs> on housing today, on housing today, a plan that community organizations, home builders, People who support affordable housing for people who work hard, earn a decent living, can't find a place to live, 
They are celebrating this. I'm going to read a Homes for a Living YYJ quote. First look at the Housing for People Action Plan. This is huge, exclamation mark. And that is on top of us setting a record over the last five years, more housing units delivered in British Columbia than any five-year period ever in the history of the province. A new deal with family doctors. Members. Members. On health care, a new deal with family doctors so British Columbians get the family doctor that they deserve. Making sure that when people go to hospital, they get the care they need by recognizing the credentials of internationally trained nurses so they can get to work and help people in the hospital and working closely with nurses to make sure that our health care system works for everybody. And on a strong economy that works for British Columbians, Honorable Speaker. Almost five billion dollars in major project investments. Now, since I I know we've got a lot more work to do. Members, I know members, got, I know the members, members don't like it. I know the opposition members doesn't come like to it. order. Please. But this team that we've got here is delivering for British Columbians every single day, and we're not going to stop. The bell and the caution period.